Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines. Coming at you on Monday, February 15th, 2021. We're another episode deep into the WandaVision television series. WandaVision television? Oh, shit. Have you ever even realized that? Like, it's WandaVision, both their names, but it's also WandaVision because it's like it's a television show? It's Yeah. I never realized that. It's not a television. It's WandaVision. That's remarkable. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Episode six, as always, didn't end on as big of a cliffhanger as last week, but there's still a lot to talk about. Yep. And uh, we also have a movie review, a positive movie review, hopefully for the first time in what feels like forever. That is Judas and the Black Messiah, released on HBO Max. I believe it was supposed to be one of those theater releases that was also released on HBO Max. Um, yes. Spoilers, as always, but it was a great movie. I'll say that much right now. Yeah, go watch it and come back if you haven't seen it. After the WandaVision talk. Yeah. Let's get in the show. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. I don't feel so good. Hulk smash! Hey, look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Episode six of WandaVision ended on a cliffhanger. Kinda. It was more abrupt than the other ones. Yes, it was. Um, so we're we're he- uh, headed into the final home stretch. I can't talk right now. Heading into the <laughs> final home stretch, Ty, the final third of episodes and seven, eight, nine. I'm excited. The third quarter of hockey play, where things are really going to start. Because you figure people you th- don't, people don't talk about that enough. What? Why do they have three quarters? That just makes no. Well, they're fucking not. Sense. They're not quarters. They're what periods. are they called? Okay, thank you. Because if they're quarters, they're before. Be four. Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm okay. not a hockey guy. Um. <laughs> But really, when you look at the the outlook of the series thus far, a lot has happened, yes, but there's still a lot that could happen, and they still have to not only kind of reveal the the antagonist, is that the bad guy? Yeah, antagonists. Yeah. And all these secrets that lie underneath what we've been seeing so far. Uh, They still have to not only reveal all that, but then resolve all of that as well. Now, the counter-argument is they do all that in a one, two-hour movie, and if they do three 45-minute, you know, episodes that's pretty much a movie but i think these episodes might be a little longer because i think they're gonna be juicy 
No, I think for sure they're. I'm looking towards 50 minute plus range, probably. Hopefully, because they said it was six hours of content for Wandavision. We've only gotten about three up to this point. Have you checked that, or are you just? I mean, each episode's been around 30 minutes of content. We've had six episodes. No, there was one that was like 47. Okay, <laughs> but it's, I mean that's 47 minus eight minutes of, you know, credits. Are they counting the credits as content? I hope not. Because <laughs> <laughs> they got a full fucking how what hour and a half of credits. Shit, honestly. Um, so there's a lot that's gonna go down. Um, this episode was it was a good one. Are we gonna power rank all the Wandavision episodes once the season's over? We'll have to. That's just a, a dumb but great ge- uh, an idea. <laughs> uh, what's your main takeaways, though, Ty? What are you What are you thinking about now that you have 24 hours, less than 24 hours, really, to think about this episode? Let it brew. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I stayed up till one, so it's getting there. But yeah, um, I don't know, man. It's it's this one wasn't as revealy, wasn't as what the fuck's going on as maybe some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, it kind of was that stepping stone episode that we yeah. needed to get into the final act. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's the Jimmy Woo and Monica going to find her guy. Yeah. Um, great setup. Can't wait to see who that is in episode at nine. They're just going to tease it every episode until episode nine, <laughs> just to piss you off. It's just going to be like a buddy road trip of them two just driving for the next three episodes. <laughs> um, you know, they set that up. They set up Monica having powers, which maybe that gets revealed in this episode. Well, in they the said, series. yeah, yeah. Cause they said one more time. Darcy said, like, oh, if you go one more time, who knows what will do. So she'll probably go back in one more time. Yep. And then be full on photon. Which would be fucking cool. Yeah. Um, Hayward's a dick. Yeah, Still a big dick. Have you seen that if you take some of the letters out of his name, you could put Hydra? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, the Hayward stuff. So we talked about this last week, and we weren't the only ones talking about it. But we talked about how Hayward is gearing up to kind of be the antagonist of this movie either making a deal with the devil, maybe not being the devil himself because he is a human at the end of the day, or doing something, you know, now there's some theories that they were actually operating on Vision to turn him into a weapon because they saw on the computer that it said, like, Operation Cataract, which is something that blocks Vision. Do you have a cataract? Nope. Because I know you got bad eyes. Nope. Well, I'm I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Um, So something's going on where – and he's tracking Vision – which is very interesting. Like he knows stuff that he isn't telling other people. And he made the very offhand comment, which I think is getting very overlooked, like when Vision was trying to get out of, of course, spoilers, as always. You wouldn't be listening to this if you haven't seen the episode. <laughs> um, Vision trying to get out of the boundary, the hex, as they are calling it. Yeah. And Hayward said, like, oh, he really wants to get out, doesn't he? Like, like just the way he said it was real sus. And oh, people yeah. are overlooking it. Oh, I think a lot of people are wondering what the fuck that meant. No, people are overlooking. Okay, people are overlooking the fuck out of that. Um, and then, but they totally leaned into him being a dick and setting him up. Like for those that didn't catch that before, they are now catching it now. Obviously, Darcy saw some things on his laptop or was about to get through the last, you know, firewall or whatever she said. Of (laughs) course, movie trope, and then ran out or whatever happened. Um, so he's hiding something. Yeah, for sure. And who knows how long it'll be? Because you know, obviously, Darcy was right on the edge of figuring that out, and now she's in the hex. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if we even, well, and the laptop should be in the hex too, right? I mean, yeah, but it probably got changed. Exactly. So how are they ever going to find out? Maybe servers. I think there's still servers. Cloud. Yeah. It's all in the sky. Um, yeah. So they set him up to be the big bad, obviously. So we have vision, his whole episode 
he's kind of just going towards the boundary. So a lot of people aren't moving. The closer he gets to the boundary, you see all the people just like standing still. The one lady just keeps hanging up her thing over and over and was like crying. Obviously, Agnes is out there not moving, which I thought was a little bit of a plot hole. I'll talk about it in a sec. Okay. My question is, why do you think they're not moving out there? Do you think it's just because Wanda has less control the farther out it goes? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think it's Wanda has control of shit in her vicinity, and the farther away from Wanda you are, the less control she has, which is probably why she put up a wall and stopped it from being, you know, this contained area because she can only have a but reach she made so it grow, far, which could fuck shit up. Yeah, so what's that going to mean for all the people on the outside? Now, my, my little plot hole, it wasn't really a plot hole, but, like, how did Agnes get that far to begin with if everyone around there is not even moving? Mm-hmm. Like- so, <laughs> the the theory right now on, like, Reddit and shit is, is she was faking it. Oh. She was pretending to be stuck because he talks to other people, and they just flat out don't respond to him. Yeah. And when he walks up to her, like, she starts talking, and she's moving, and the other people aren't moving. She was pretending to be one of the other people, but in reality, just stirring the pot with vision. Oh, so you think when he taps into her mind, she wasn't actually being released? The whole thing was an act? Yeah. Okay. So Agnes, again, everyone assumes she's the witch. Yeah. Um, she's got something to do with what everything, you know, everything that's going on. She was intentionally there to make Vision think she's just another one of the people, but to say you're dead and shit's going on and stir the pot and make Vision more aware of the situation. So is she working against um, Wanda? I've got to imagine now that she's had her kids, yes. Interesting. And then obviously he gets out of the boundary and he's getting pulled apart and all that stuff, which is interesting because Wanda just yeeted Monica Rambeau out of it, no problem. He's having this this struggle to get out. I don't know if it's because he doesn't exist outside of the hex because he's still dead. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and you know we've seen other objects um they obviously had the drone at the beginning of the episode that she brought back with her she's gone out monica's gone out the jump rope thing has come out yeah and it's all been fine yeah but for some reason vision is almost like tethered to that shit to where it just kept trying to pull him in even when he was out yeah um damn vision he looked kind of like that scene was just kind of like crazy how many times are we gonna watch him die (laughs) it's getting up there (laughs) i feel bad for him but um yeah, man. And then that's what sets up the hex moving and everything. Now I want to circle back a little bit before. Obviously, so we have Evan Peters as Petro. Yep. We have, oh, the episode is Malcolm in the Middle, which I have a problem with. Malcolm in the Middle started in the year 2000. So they yep. just skip in the 90s? I think they did a mid-90s to 2000. But it started in 2000. Didn't have one season in the in the decade of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're assuming it's we were very much 50 to 59, 60 to 69. Maybe it's more just kind of ish. Yeah, I, I think there probably wasn't something. I think what they wanted to do with, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? Quicksilver, what's his real name? Pietro. Pietro. What they wanted to do with him and the twins, that probably, and they had creative talks about this, that probably fit much better in a uh, Malcolm in the Middle type style than yeah. if they would have done like Friends or something. Yeah, and I think that, you know, even in like their 80s, it was kind of 80s, 90s ish with Full House. Like they started yeah. to kind of blur the lines moving up to this. Um, obviously there's on the back, there's the, um, like a movie theater. It says the parent trap in the Incredibles. Yeah. Incredibles didn't come out to like, Oh four. Yeah. But that's about a super family. It is about a super family. And then right after we see the Incredibles, the kids are now hot powers. Um, so Evan, Evan Peters, I want to talk about him. What do you think's going on, Ty? Um, he makes a very, very offhanded comment of go raise hell demon spawns to the kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, Easter egg or more. 
I think it's more, but I wanted to get your input on is Evan Peters Quicksilver? Is he the, the carcass of Pietro, just like the carcass of Vision, and she's just reimagined him in some way? Is it the X-Men version of Quicksilver, which I honestly think that's the least likely outcome at this point? Um, yeah. So that it, it's literally from another universe. And I would I agree with that, because yeah. maybe Mephisto, maybe something else is going on. Yeah. But he has MCU Quicksilver's um memories. memories yeah he says i was shot down in the street and the next thing i know i'm here yeah it's not like he remembers the x-men and shit he has the memories of mcu quicksilver yeah and it, it could you know you can make the argument that it's it that Wanda's creating him and whatnot but he knows what's going on Our Very vision aware. is slowly figuring it out evan peters is like asking her about it you know telling her like yeah you know it's a, a far stretch from just giving people nightmares which is interesting you know because nightmare yeah um so I don't know. I think it is he is somehow connected to whoever this, whether it's Hayward or whether it's Mephisto, whether it's Agnes, all this shit going on. Um, he's somehow involved because he's just so self-aware. No one else is self-aware except Vision slowly becoming self-aware. Vision's figuring it out. He knows. He's like, yeah. you did all of this. Where were you hiding these kids the whole time? Yeah. Like, I get it. You weighed the, the you know, you weighed how immoral this was or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I'm not your husband. I'm not your kids. Like, you can tell me. I don't care. Like, yeah. trying to almost fish for information out of her. Yeah. Um, Which still leads me to believe that that's not really Quicksilver. He's trying to figure out how much Wanda knows. Yeah. And I mean, well, and that also could go into Hayward because he went on a very anti-superhero rant talking about, you know, the blip and everything and yeah. superheroes. And that could be him getting someone on the inside, which I don't know how they would get someone to then have super speed. But, you know, like he could be somehow connected where he's trying to get Wanda to maybe explain how she, what she did. I don't know, Framer to be this bad guy. I think that's honestly going to be his slant at the end of the day. I think he might try to get the twins probably. Maybe that's more Agnes's thing. But I think Hayward's big slant is like framing Wanda as this evil, you know, person. That way Hayward could kind of spin it and be, you know, we've seen it in superhero movies before. Yeah, and I think the 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 major issue is, like, this shit's going on and he wants to be the one handling it. Yeah. And he doesn't ask for any of the help of the Avengers, because there's still plenty of superheroes left in the in the yeah. MCU. Doesn't ask for any of their help with this shit going on against another Avenger. Yeah. And it's very much against them. So he's doing something to make her look like the bad guy, no matter what. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see why. Yeah, and I, I noticed, too, again, I don't know if people are talking about this. I'm just going to say it's not talked about enough. Um, Evan Peters back in Vision up because Vision obviously says he's going to go on um, Parent Patrol or whatever. Not Parent Patrol, Neighborhood Watch. Parent <laughs> Patrol, that's a good name. Neighborhood Watch, and Wanda's like, that's not what you're supposed to do, blah, 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 blah. She's resistant. But then Evan Peters is almost like, oh, I'll let him do his own thing. I could be their father figure, blah, blah, blah. Like, he kind of – and if he knows everything going on, he knows Vision's trying to get more information. He knows Vision's not going on Neighborhood Watch. Like, yeah. he wants Vision to explore and maybe get out and do everything. So, I don't know. People yeah. aren't talking about that enough. No, it's a good point. He, I, it seems like he's very much there to stir the pot. Yeah. Um, along with Agnes, once yeah. Vision's out there, they they may be working together in some way. Maybe they're not. Maybe we're overthinking it. It's what if the guy pretended to be Quicksilver, Agnes's husband that she keeps talking about? Yeah, I said that. Oh, did I said you? said like two episodes ago. Well, two episodes ago, Quicksilver wasn't here. Well, Quicksilver appeared. That'd be a reveal, right? They just like kiss each other. Because they're husband and wife. Haven't met each other yet. Yeah. Haven't been in the same room. <laughs> Haven't seen them in the same room. Um, 
yeah, there's a lot going on. We still don't know, like I said, who the big bad is. Um, Hayward got away, right? In my memory. So there's like three sword people left. Everyone else got turned into clowns and is now part of Westview. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hayward and the two people in the thing with him drove away, and he calls on the radio. Can anyone hear me? No one responds. That's right. Yeah. And then obviously Monica and um, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, we assume that they got away. Yeah. No, for so, sure. I don't know. It's interesting. How far is she going to expand this? What are the repercussions of this? Um, there's going to be a modern family slash office style episode. They've kind of already leaned into the talking into the camera, so they're going to lean into that more. We've already seen clips about it. Um, uh, well, another thing also is when Tim, Timmy, whatever the fucking kid's name is, Tommy. Tommy and Billy. Whichever one was talking into the camera, um, breaking the fourth wall in this episode, Pietro aggressively aware of it. Yeah. No one else is. Pietro, like, sees him talking, like, looks, like, what's he doing? Making it more convincing that Pietro knows everything that's going on. It is yeah. not a part of this. Yeah, um, I agree. Have you seen the theory that, the one theory that whoever, so let's say it's Hayward controlling Wanda, whatever, is trying to get her to recreate the Infinity Stones because they've seen how powerful they could be? Oh. And that's why they want her to bring Vision back to life. Get the Mind Stone. And I guess there is a... um a clip from like the trailers or something. And there's like a picture of her staring at like something blue and it looks like it could be like the Tesseract. Is that what it's called? The Tesseract? Yeah. Isn't that what the Transformers called their thing too? The Allspark. Allspark. Okay. I can't believe I remembered that. <laughs> I just pulled that out of the fucking depths of my mind. <laughs> um, so I don't think, I think that's kind of far fetched, but I don't know. Maybe all those commercials, you know, they've been tying, you could also tie them into the infinity stones too. Some people have been doing that. What about so. this week's? Uh, the soul stone, I think they were saying, because the guy died or something, and it's like them dying for the soul stone. I don't know. Is that So is that kind of what you took from this week's commercial? Because all the other ones I've understood, this one was the one I kind of had to fish and look at shit to try and get what it was representing. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> so the one thing I found that I kind of like is this person's on an island, feels alone. Isolated. Yep. Isolated, much like Wanda. Someone shows up and says, here, use this magic and it'll fix everything. And it's not fixing everything. And it's not. You're slowly still falling apart and alone. But you're going to use the magic to make things better in the meantime. Um, but you can't actually you know, open it and fix everything. That I feel like that sense. was someone showing up and helping Wanda, whether that's Agnes, Mephisto. Shark. What could be a shark? Devil. Shark and devils. Both scary. Was it? Is there such a thing as a devil shark? A devil shark? Yeah. <laughs> like in real life? I, like, I, was that type of shark a devil shark? Is that a real I'm thing? I'm pretty sure it's just great white. Oh. Um, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's the dude from James Gunn's Suicide Squad. We're crossing over. Shark Man? <laughs> King Shark? A devil shark is not a real thing. But there's angel sharks. Okay. Um, that's a good theory, though, because <laughs> everything's been tied back to kind of her memories and whatnot, too. So yeah. that would make sense in that regard. Um. There's just there's so much what ifs and there's so many directions they could go and that's why these next three episodes are like it's it's got to be a lot of shit's got to happen and I wouldn't be surprised if the next one even is still a little bit like this still setting some stuff up obviously you have the repercussions of the last episode to deal with yeah um but still setting some stuff up and then you have eight and nine which is pretty much one movie like an hour an hour you know what I mean yeah so it depends on if they want to forty five forty five forty five it. 
where the last three are kind of a movie. Yeah. Or if they still stick to the full sitcom type episode. Which I think they will because we've already seen scene like stills of, you know what I mean? Well, I know. They definitely are going to start with the sitcom yeah. part. Um, it's just if that lasts the entire episode or not because we've gotten very little footage. Well, um, I think we'll get the same kind of fit, like 50-50 or whatever balance of some sitcom, some outside like we got last episode, episode five. Um, but I think the, oh shit, like they're fighting, whatever is going to be the last two. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and we'll see, we still need to see Dr. Strange. Yeah. Hopefully that's not uh Monica's guy. I doubt it would be. How would he know anything about aerospace? Yeah. But what his connection is to sword seeing as how it was kind of set up in the five years he was gone. Have you heard the rumor that it might just be a scroll? Yeah. The scroll, like, aerospace guy. That'd be such a disappointment. I would agree with that. I see a bunch of comic book fans, like, hyping up the scrolls like they were for Captain Marvel. And I get there's the whole secret invasion storyline from the comics and the scrolls, and they play a huge role. Me, personally, I don't really care about scrolls that much right now. They haven't proved it to me yet. It just would not be as much of an excitement as a Reed Richards showing up. John Krasinski, who I was going down a Twitter rabbit hole, and, like, some guy was talking about, like, how John Krasinski's not even a good Mr. Fantastic and people just need to stop looking at the first page of Google for actor recommendations or whatever, that they're nothing alike and that he's not a good actor. That guy's wrong. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, have you noticed? So I noticed something with this. I don't know if they did this every week or if this was just like this week in particular. Let me see if it's still up. Okay, never mind. It was just a coincidence. What? At the time of watching, it was just called episode six. Yeah, it it, it releases as episode whatever, and then about two thirty, three o'clock, they give it the name. Okay, yeah, goes all new Halloween spectacular. Yeah. Um. So the first episode of this, though, so I I think no one's talked about this, and I'm just gonna hand up. This is on me. Um. The calendar was October twenty third or whatever day it was, and it was circled. And it was a Wednesday, and I did the math that it was twenty twenty three. Three weeks after the snap, which we're guessing happens at the beginning of October slash late September. Hopefully not on Riley's birthday, September 29th. Um, oh. I mean, maybe actually hopefully that'd be a great birthday present. Half of humanity coming back. Um, Captain America died, though. No, he didn't. Iron Man died, though. <laughs> so I, like, I, uh, I just want to point out, like, because this is a Halloween episode. So I think this actually is Halloween day. I would guess. So I think in between the first episode and this, that's what, eight days? So they've, this has only been really a week. That makes sense. Yeah, I would. I'm okay with that. Okay, I just wanted to point that out. Nice. And there were some people that were saying, "Oh, well, because it's Halloween, maybe the the um, the wall in between realities is shortened, and that's why she could get this and that and Pietro and all that." And I was like, "Shut up! <laughs> that's just stupid. <laughs> um, that's kind of mean." But I don't know because we see her at Tony Stark's funeral. So if to- if this happens three weeks after Endgame, she obviously went to Stark's funeral, yep. and then in a short ass amount of time, something happened. Yeah, I mean, and we see footage of her breaking in and stealing Vision's body. Mm-hmm. So that means like right after the fucking funeral. Yeah, she's down bad, and and people have kind of pointed out like the scene of her fighting Thanos in Endgame. Mm-hmm. For her, that's like ten minutes after Vision was killed. Yeah. Which means the funeral is like a day or two after Vision was killed. Yeah. Like, this is still very fresh for her, so it very much could be like, she's fucked up. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's five years and everything else has been going on and whatnot, but for her, like, traumatic shit just happened. 
and this is her first alone time at, immediately after that traumatic shit. Yeah. Now, I sent you a YouTube video that I thought could explain Doctor Strange's role in this rather than him just showing up because it would be weird for S.W.O.R.D. to, like, call Doctor Strange. And it could just be a thing where she expands it and then Strange is like, oh, this is on my radar now. I need to go fix this. But the YouTube video I sent you is that maybe after Stark's funeral or whatever, Wanda's talking to Strange and Strange tells her that she has unrealized potential. I'm going to send you to my friend or someone I know, whatever, and that's Agnes, who is a witch. Agatha Hearth, whatever. Yeah. Did you know if you take... Agatha the Harness, Harkness, or something like that. It's Ag, the first two, and then it's the last, like, four letters of the last name. Ness. Agnes. Did you realize that? Yeah. I didn't realize it's that until today. Um, so that I think that could be a, a decent way to kind of tie him into this and explain why he would be coming back, because then he sees it, like, or he hears about it or whatever, and he was like, oh, shit, like, I know what she's up to or whatever. Like, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Let me go over there and... Um, the only other thing I can think of is... is Swords fucked now with three people. Yeah. And they finally give in and say, we need help. <sighs> Hayward, though, I don't think he wants to. I don't think he does either. He's up to no good, man. Um, my my, The one thing that had me concerned that it is going to be a letdown and it's going to be Doctor Strange that Monica goes to is um, she's going to find her guy to get inside the hex. Yeah. Doctor Strange has a great talent for creating portals to get in places. Yeah, he does. I'm going to be really bummed out if it's just Doctor Strange. To be Strange. fair, that'd be a plot hole, though, because if... If she texted or called Doctor Strange, why wouldn't he just portal his house right there right away? He'd be like, hey, come to me an hour away so I can teleport (laughs) you back to where we were. If that happens, that's a plot hole, and I will point it out. Okay, no, I'm 100% confirming that is not Doctor Strange. (laughs) He would not make them drive an hour away. (laughs) And then portal (laughs) lives. That's fucking great. Um, So there's a lot, man. I don't know. I want to rewatch these all once they're all out. I probably won't, but I want to. I will. I mean, I've watched all of them like four times now. Have you really? Yeah, I just go back and I like scrub through them and look for shit to talk about. How many um, times have you watched episode six? Three times now. Oh my god! Really? Yeah, I watched <laughs> it and then I kind of watched it again, like afterwards, jumping around looking for shit, and then I watched it again today. Was it better the second and third time? No. Okay. Goes by a lot quicker. Oh, I wanted to touch on that. Isn't it crazy? So we have these MCU movies, and it's like three hours for Endgame was massively long you know what I mean and obviously it goes by quick but like even like a two hour movie you're like okay it's long and you feel like so much happens in that two hours this is a show that has so far you know three three and a half hours of content and it feels like less has happened in this three hours than like in the first half of a movie I think it's just because it's a slow burn and they're kind of milking it and we don't really know yet and I think that's why it doesn't feel like a lot I just think that's a strange phenomena since it's a television show yeah uh I'm sure the the sitcom-y aspect of it has something to do with it, too. Because, obviously, they tell full-story sitcom episodes yeah. that they don't need to to, like, advance the plot. You just get a very small amount of the overall plot each episode. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it being 30 minutes of content each week makes it feel like a lot less than it really is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because, like we said, we've had six 30-minute episodes. That's a full fucking movie. Yeah, so we have 30 minutes, 37. We'll just say there's six minutes of credits. I don't know if that's exactly what it is, but that's what I'm going to say. So that's 24 plus 31. That's 55 plus 27. That's, oh, my God, an hour and 22 minutes plus 29. That's an hour and 51 minutes plus 35. That's an hour, two hours and 24 minutes. I think my math might be wrong. And then 31. So what did I say? Two hours and how many minutes? 
I don't know. <laughs> just under three hours, not counting credit time. And if you're saying it's supposed to be six hours yeah. of content, there's hopefully not be, counting the credits. There's going to be good stuff coming up. I'm excited. These last three are going to be great. Um, fun, fun little stuff. Did they they reference kick ass in this? Yeah, I didn't realize that till after the fact. Someone told me what that both Evan Peters and Piet and whatever the original Pietro. Peter's name was, Pietro's name was. Yeah, both, both in kick ass. Which is also Marvel. Nod. I didn't know that was a Marvel property. Oh, is it? That's what a YouTube video said. It said Marvel's kick ass, which isn't part of the MCU universe. I didn't know that was a Marvel property either. I guess so. Huh. That was just fun because it's got both the Quicksilvers in it. Yeah, meta joke. They like their meta jokes. They sure do. Um, They easily, you know, the Incredibles, they just threw that up there. They're like, hey, that's ours too. Yeah. They didn't have to worry <laughs> about anything. Um, kick ass Marvel. Published by Kick-Ass is the name of two fictional superheroes serving as the title characters and protagonists of the Kick-Ass series. Published by Marvel Comics under the company's imprint Icon Comics and by Image Comics. It's like a side side company of Marvel. Yeah. Um, when did Jimmy Woo become a badass? Because they just fucked up those sword I, people and they I, made me laugh so much. That's what I told Riley. I said, when did Jimmy Woo get like hands-on like combat training like this? And she's like, well, he's an FBI agent. He's got to be kind of hands-on. I was like... It's fucking Jimmy Woo. Like the two of them just fucked up like four sword agents. Like it's and nothing. no one and no one realized either. That's what I liked. Like there yeah. were sword agents in the background, just not even. It made me laugh. And then that was the one part of this episode. I was like, okay, this is a little ridiculous. And they just put on like sword hats. Yep. And that's just gonna get them wherever they want to go. They're not gonna realize it's the three people who just <laughs> beat the fuck out of four of your agents and just got kicked out by the guy in charge of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it made me laugh, but <laughs> still. Oh man. I don't know. I'm excited, Jay. These last three episodes are going to be so good. The first three set some things up. The middle three continued setting them up. But more like mm. Vision got fucked up, but he's alive now. So we think. I mean, it looked like he was alive now. He got put back together at least. Yeah. Um, I wonder how the kids play into the last three episodes having powers now. Yeah. Um, If they're going to... Whoever the main villain is or something, something is going to happen to where Doctor Strange needs to show up. Yeah. Which is going to cause a conflict. Yeah. Of some sort. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It'll be interesting to see if Quicksilver is really Mephisto or whatever, how they explain him having super speed. That I want to know. He's just, because he's in charge of the reality. Everyone thinks it's Wanda, but he's just using Wanda. Okay. She yeeted his ass, too. Fuck yeah, she did. After he said she your dead husband can't off. die again or whatever. She's like, shut up. He's not um, dead. Oh, also, we had another wannabe jump scare. This one wasn't as good as Division 1, though. Him dead. Of Yeah, him shot and whatnot. Would have been cool if they would have just got the original actor to come back just for that one shot. Oh, was it not Petra? Like, Petra? Was it Evan Peters? Like, oh, it was Evan Peters. Oh. Why didn't they? They probably didn't want to bring back the actual guy for one shot. They could have just used footage from their last one. Some face yeah, rendering. Yeah. That's got to be hard. I don't know. I saw one theory that this is all the barf technology, too, because the perimeter was, like, glowing blue, just like the blue That's a bad theory. lights that barf gives off or whatever. And, yeah, I thought that was a terrible theory as well. Why would want to be using barf for all this? Why would Vision be getting fucked up from barf? <laughs> I don't know. Bad theory. Yeah, it was an old video before this episode. This episode probably killed it. Um, I'm wondering what Darcy will be in Westview, though. There's a screen image of her with, like, the TVs in front of her, and she has, like, you could see, like, the top of 
what looks like like a an old school outfit or whatever. And then some people think that looks like a other superhero in the Marvel comics. That'd be interesting. Just reuse this character. Darcy Wanda. Maybe she becomes Invisible Woman. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> um, let's see. I just want the oh Darcy WandaVision. I put comics poster. That's what I want to look up. Yeah. So if you look at the poster, there's a photo of her. The top TV. It's like this red and black looking that she has not worn oh. in the series thus far. Um, that's interesting. And apparently, that looks like someone from the comics, who, whom of which I have no idea. Huh. I wonder. I know people were pointing out that in Monica's um, poster with the TVs, uh huh, the outfit she's wearing is um, got the exact same like color scheme and whatnot of her like superhero costume. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, so I wonder if we get that in the series or not. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do with with Darcy. Does this is Mephisto hiding in the new Wandavision poster? This was posted on February 1st. It's a poster. <laughs> He's oh. just like creeping behind up. Uh, well, it's like a, a poster TV. of their faces. God, my laptop's going so slow. And it looks like in the wallpaper, there's like a little devil face or something. That feels like a stretch. It looks like a very intentional face, though. Like, it's not like it's very much different than the other things. Okay. Dude, what if we go back and like every single episode, there was like. Like him in the background or something. That would like, be pretty funny. Ever cool. so subtly. Like when Far From Home, where Jake Gyllenhaal um, is there at like the water thing, just in the background with a hat on a cell phone, people didn't even realize. Have you not seen that? No. Yeah, Mysterio is just in the background of a shot, like the actual shot. Yeah, like Sp- oh, when Spider-Man wow. buys like the necklace thing. Uh huh. Yeah. He's just like following Peter Parker around in the shot in a hat on the cell phone. Oh, like so obviously they go back and they explain what he did, but yeah, so they actually had him in that original yes. first shot. Oh wow. That's good movie making right there. That's good stuff. And he's he's obviously following Peter, and Peter's the one person he's trying to get the shit from. Yeah. So like he's tracking him, and it shows him doing that, and then Mysterio shows up. Oh, shit. Maybe it's like that. or you just That'd like, be crazy. But they'd have to like explain it like Mysterio did. Like Mephisto would have to go on a rant about all the places he's been. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go back and search for him in every episode. I will. Don't worry. I'll do the work for you. <laughs> There's been a lot of devil comments, though. Devil in the details. Like we said, devil spawns. I part of me feels like that's just Marvel. It is doing it very what much they, could be just throwing everyone off and making them think one thing so they could have it be a different twist because they love to do that. So it, and that very much could be the, the fucking twist. I, I would not be surprised if Wanda is the villain of this show and that's it. Yeah. I um, hope she's not bad. I hope so too. You got to think about it from a marketing perspective. So uh, black widow dead. Yep making her movie but dead so you don't have her um who else is a prominent woman in the mcu act they just fucked up another they just like not fucked up but another one just i mean they killed gamora but they brought her back dead gamora but she's back cat marv just isn't involved at all she's getting another movie not only that they added monica within the lines would not be possible without anchor by spotify it is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. 
When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you want to listen to your podcast. Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, We highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. This week, we're reviewing Judas and the Black Messiah, HBO Max release. Uh, well, it was a theater release that's also getting released on HBO Max. Ty, I know you don't have the synopsis ready, so I'll give you a second to uh, pull that Actually, up. Jay, the story of Fred Hampton, <laughs> chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. Yes, so two main characters. Don't doubt me. I had that shit locked and loaded. Um, So this is a... Like a biography, but I'm assuming not all of it's like actually true. True, it's a dramatized retelling. Yeah, Um, because obviously, like, how would they know some of these things? But man, let me tell you, it was a great movie. I didn't know much about it uh, beforehand. I had just briefly heard about it. You said you really wanted to watch it. Um, It's got a great cast. I mean, it uh, led by Daniel Kaluuya. Did I say that right? The guy from Get Out. Yeah. Maybe from Get Out. I believe he's also in Black the Black Panther movie. Yeah. Besides being in the Black Panther organization <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Also, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who is in Sorry to Bother You, which was a movie I wanted to see personally. Um, that's when he's like pretending to be like the white telemarketer or whatever. He's from um, something else. He's also oh, in Get Knives Out and Knives Out. Knives um, Out's what I know him from. So some pretty big actors, um, some up and coming actors. Dominique Fishback. She was just in something we watched recently, wasn't she? Project Power. Yep. Yep. Um, oh. Was she the daughter? Yeah, I think so. And didn't we like her in that movie? I think so, but she seems the so rapper. much. Yeah, she seems so much younger in Project Power than she does in this movie. She did. She seems a lot more mature, like the role. Well, she even just looks younger. Yeah. Wow. That's good acting. Um, Props to her. And she was good in that movie. I think we both said back then that she was like the standout actress of that movie. Yeah, uh, Jesse Plemons, who I mean, I'll get to it a little bit. I think he did great. Never heard of him before, but I think he did great. He's he's from stuff. What's he from? He was in a Breaking Bad. Maybe that's where more pe- most people know him from. I don't know what I know him from. Um. So yeah, it was a story like you said. You read the synopsis. Black Panther Party. Uh, you had this internal battle, which wasn't really known between the uh, leader of the Black Panther Party in Illinois and uh, an FBI informant who gets busted for, uh, spoilers, of course, for stealing a car, pretending to be an FBI agent, gets busted, and then get turns into a rat pretty much because they threaten him with jail time. And he keeps giving information to the FBI agent and all this stuff, and we see it kind of unfold and everything. Tyler, what would you give for Plot Slash Story? Plot Slash Story J. So I had to think of this as there's only so much they can do. Yeah, because you can't make it absurd. It's a, it's a real life story. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it a sixteen. Mm-hmm. I think for something that obviously took place, but I knew nothing about. I liked how they told the story. Um, I liked the twists and turns they took it on, and how it all played out. Sixteen, pretty good fucking score. What'd you give it? <sighs> seven. Seven. Just kidding. Sixteen. Oh my god. One plus six, seven. Um, no, I felt the same way. I mean, there wasn't anything that was necessarily like genius story building and everything but 
I mean, they did their thing with what they had to do. They couldn't have stretched the truth too far. I mean, some yeah. scenes might have not actually happened. You know, it moves the story along. But they did a good job with the subject material, and they did a good job of explaining the subject material. I could see movies like this, um, just like these historical kind of biopics that, you know, aren't fully true or whatever. But they can get confusing kind of quick. Um, this movie did not get confusing, you know, especially no. with all the different characters they introduced. Um, you know, so it was, it, they did a good, good job in that regard. And, you know, the way that it was paced, the way it was structured, how they introduced characters and everything. I thought it was great. Now I will say, and this kind of shows an increase in another category and this didn't knock it down at all, but there was a portion of this movie. And I would say it was the second act where I was not in touch with it as much. I was not as interested and it directly correlates to when uh, Fred Hampton was in jail and was not on the screen as often because I, I don't want to give away my character score, but he really did a great job in this movie. And that part of the movie where he was not in it as much was kind of not as good as I think the first and third acts, which he was very much a prominent part of. Agre- agreed. We'll okay. get to it. Um, I think that for me, did you ever watch the Irishman? No, this gave me a lot of Irishman vibes. Okay. So while I agree that second act was kind of slow, it reminded me of a four-hour movie that the entire <laughs> movie was slow. So this fucking flew through it compared to that. <laughs> I mean, it was nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it gave me those ca- same kind of vibes compared to that movie. But I liked how this movie did it better. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I would agree that it was a slow point. But again, it's just kind of the telling of the story. And when it's real-life events inevitably you're going to have slow parts of it where you can't go over the top this action scene, this action scene. Like, There's going to be slow parts building up to a climax of a real-life event you're trying to tell. Now, I did I did want to ask because I did I wasn't fully checked in the final like five or ten minutes of the movie. I was also cooking dinner. So obviously Mr. Uh, William O'Neill, Bill, they called him what? Crazy Bill? Wild Bill? Wild Bill. Wild Bill. Bill O'Neill. Slips um, some drugs into Fred Hampton's drink to kill him per the FBI agent Jesse Plemons character Roy um to to make him go to sleep was that intentional that way that he didn't get shot like was that Roy showing some sympathy and he didn't want Fred Hampton to have the pain of getting shot because obviously there was that raid at the very end where he goes in where the police go in and pretty much just shoot them all uh no that's what so the guy who gave him the thing yeah he was saying he was like I'm not gonna fucking poison him he's like it's not poison it's just gonna make him peaceful because he's gonna get killed tonight Either it's going to make him fall asleep and not realize it and not be in pain, and he's just going to die. Yeah, so that was – because that one guy he met at the bar had his uh, FBI badge or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how he knew he was working with Mr. Roy. So that was the reason, right? It was like to – didn't want him to – Yeah, it was kind of show mercy. Like, look, I, you're dying because of what I did. At least here's the easy way out. You can be at peace with it type thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, and then he gets a gas company. He gets his own gas station. And I liked how they interwove the parts of like some of that document. Like they had the video of Lakeith, uh, Stanfield. Like he looked a little bit older doing like a documentary the, the style fake documentary. They and did. then they showed the actual documentary at the end of the real wild bill. Yeah. And then they said that made my, like, it gave me like shivers a little bit when they said like, Oh, it debuted on like March 10th or it was Martin Luther King day. I don't know that off the top of my head. Sorry. Um, you know, of 1991. And then it said later that night he killed himself. He committed suicide. I was like, Oh, that shit always fucks me up more than the actual movies. (laughs) Just the little lines at the end. Like this happened. Like this is real life. And this is what actually happened. Fucks me up every time. (laughs) 
so yeah that part i was just like wow but i liked how they interwove because they had that fake documentary and at the very end it came full circle with the actual documentary yeah um and then they obviously talked about uh fred hampton jr being the leader of you know and his wife um or his mom i should say being the leader in whatever of some black panther party to this day yep which was interesting next up ty visuals slash cinematography also gave this a 16 i gave it a 17 um okay you liked it even more yeah one point better um i thought it was shot really good yeah but there wasn't an insane amount of use of color or anything i like the the difference between like when he's doing stuff with the black panther party as opposed to when he's talking to the fbi dude yeah a very distinctly different colors and shot and it's supposed to look different mm-hmm. um for me majority of these points come from the music and the score okay yeah the music was good it fucking blew me away it was fantastic um it was one of the best parts of this movie was the music and how everything was shot and the, how they used the music to build suspense and these heightened fucking moments and shit i thought it was incredible yeah i mean they didn't have a lot of color but i think that was intentional i think they did a really good job of creating kind of this you know i don't want to say ghetto but kind of like a worn down part of chicago and yeah, yeah they definitely. did a good job of um just that scene building and everything nothing felt fake nothing felt like we were in downtown universal you know studio a lot like uh, that one outside the wire movie <laughs> um that was great and they just had some some shots that i liked i mean you had the shots of him driving in the car like pulling up and backing up that were both from the behind angle i mean we've seen it before but those were good shots there was one shot i liked when the one guy was getting chased by the cops at like that power plant yeah and it showed him around the corner like the cop tell him to freeze and then he just kind of peeks around the corner and freaking like blows his brain out real quick well he didn't blow his brain out because then the guy was begging for mercy and he shot him anyways um there was just a lot of good framing in this movie, a lot of good camera work. Um, the shadows and everything to create suspense, that was all really good. Um, it was solid. I mean, I've seen better. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's going to win a best picture for whatever. Cinematography. Is that just the, what the word is? I like think best so, cinematography? Yeah. I don't think it's going to win that. Maybe it's nominated. Who knows? 2020 and 2021. Not a lot of options. Yeah, not a lot of options. Does this qualify for the upcoming Academy Awards? I don't Wait, think so. Wait, didn't the Academy Awards already happen? Weren't they already supposed to happen? No, I think they usually happen. I thought in it was like the February. first year. Yeah, we're in February. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, we would have heard about it. Um, I, no, I agree with you though. It was shot pretty good. I like the shot. There's one of like him in front of the crowd, and he like throws up the fist, and it's like him centered with fucking talking to people and shit. Like I'm sure you could grab a lot of stills from this movie that would look fucking cool. Yeah, um, they pushed it back to um April 25th, 21st. Did they extend like? the amount of movies that can get April in April 25th. Um like is it a year and 3 months worth of movies because of the limited amount of releases? Hold on, I'll tell you right now because I will have something to say regarding that coming up. Regarding regarding what? The Academy Awards. About this movie? Correct. Um the Academy announced I don't know. I don't know. Nah, it's fine. Yeah, I, I have I have no idea. I'm sorry, Ty. That's all right. Key elements, Jay. What'd you give it? Give it an 18. I gave it a... Oh, wow. I gave it a 16. Okay. Originally a little bit lower, but I bumped it up for... A, for a, so I originally gave this a 14, and then I bumped it up to a 16 because I liked how they told the historical perspective of it. That was not only relevant to that time, but also relevant really to modern day 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Um it felt very real. And part of that is because it is real. Um, but I thought they did a fantastic job in that and just kind of tackling those 
um, kind of societal messages and everything in a non in in a good way in a, in a constructive way where someone who may disagree with some of the things that this you know movie wants to say or whatever can kind of understand from their own perspective and be like oh okay I see this in a new light now I thought they did a really good job at that so that bumped my score up it was originally a fourteen which still isn't a bad score just because I thought they were trying to be suspenseful at times and I just didn't feel the full suspense at times. And outside of it just being like a exaggerated biopic, and I don't say exaggerated in a in a bad way, um, I Every, didn't really see like a, I don't know, there wasn't like a, a genre I could really fit this into. I saw what it was trying to be, but I don't know, it wasn't bad. Fourteen wasn't bad, isn't bad, but I still gave it a sixteen, which is even not as bad. Yeah, I, I gave it an eighteen. I looked at it as like a dramatized biopic type thing going on, um, historical retelling of something. Mm-hmm. Um which had a lot of suspense elements to it. And I, I enjoyed the suspense and maybe that had to do with me loving the score and like yeah. the music and shit they did, because that did a great job for me. Um, you, you talked about the guy on the run from the cops and like that scene. I thought that scene was fucking great in the way it was shot and like the panicky nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the undercover shit and like him stressing out about fucking playing both sides basically um, was really good. And I, I loved this story. Like I liked how they created the story and how they tied in that interview element to it, to where it was like, hey, like, obviously you're watching a movie, but this is fucking real. Yeah. Like, this is real shit that really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love how they tied all of it together. I love the message it was trying to show and the story it was telling at the point in time that we are today, like, how it connects. Yeah. I thought it was perfect time for this movie to come out. And I thought they did a very, very good job. Well, it's the perfect time. Was it supposed to come out uh, sooner? What do you mean? Did this get pushed back? Do you know? I have no idea. I just think that it's probably a situation where they saw what was going on in our country. Yeah. With everything that's been happening over the past few years now. Well, it's mean, really past the history of our country. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you know, this takes place in the 80s. Yeah. And it's very relevant then as to now, but I feel like it's very much in the forefront right now. Yeah. Um. And it just felt like an appropriate time for this kind of story to be told. And and this is something that I knew nothing about either. Mm-hmm. Like, hand up. I, I, I knew nothing about this. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, it was cool to kind of watch and see. I'm trying to look at the, the Academy Award, Award uh, nominated movies. Uh, there was another good movie that came out today, apparently. Maybe we need to review it next week instead of Sonic. I don't know. I'm um, fine with that. What is it? Minari. Oh, I've heard of that. A Korean family moves to Arkansas, Arkansas <laughs> farm in search of its own American dream. Amidst the challenge of its new life in the strange and rugged Ozarks, they discover the undeniable resilience of family and what really makes a home. Uh, I say we probably should review this instead of Sonic because it has a 97% of Rotten Tomatoes and is a Best Picture nominee. Time out. believe it's only in theaters. That might have been why we talked about it before and um, did not choose to review it. Oh, this isn't even – these are just predictions. These aren't the actual <laughs> – Nominees, never mind. But still, I heard it's a very good movie. <laughs> that would be wild for it to come out today and be nominated for the Academy Award already. Yeah, man. But it's number three on this predicted nominees. Number one, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Never heard of it. Uh, number two, Nomadland, which I actually heard of. Um, it looks like an artsy movie. It won a bunch of awards at a bunch of um, like art festivals what are those film things film festivals uh that comes out next week so maybe we'll review that next week again is it available to watch anywhere hulu 
Is it Hulu? Uh, yeah. Okay, maybe we'll we'll pivot then. Hand up, Jay. This year, we're watching every Best Picture nominee. Well, we don't know what they are yet. But once we do, we got to watch them. Well, this could knock one of them out of the list if Nomadland um, actually gets nominated. That's what I'm saying. Because last year, we did a pretty good job. I, you know, we watched Parasite, 1917, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I think I watched almost all of them. Yeah. Um, I just want to read you this. Talk to me. Accolades for Nomadland. Oh, you know what? I'll talk about this after we're done talking about uh, Judas <laughs> and the Black Messiah. <laughs> okay. Key element 16. Characters, Ty. I gave this an 18. Um, this is a high score. I usually reserve really high scores for special performances. And I thought uh, Daniel Kaluuya's uh, performance of Fred Hampton was fantastic. I thought he was exceptional in this movie. I thought Lakeith Stanfield did his thing. Stan, I think I said that right. I think he did his thing. I think he was good. No complaints here. Uh, Dominic Fishback, again, no complaints here. She also did really, really well. Her That one scene where she's reading the poem was yeah. uh, fantastic. I thought Jesse Plemons was kind of like the sixth man of the year. Um, he was on the outside looking in terms of central characters, but he was, I think, awesome in his role. Um and kind of his character development throughout. But I think when it, when I look at it, it stands out. Fred Hampton, Daniel Kaluuya, fantastic actor. I've heard great things about him. I haven't seen any movies he's been in until now. And now I understand the hype. I, I gave it a 19. Okay, so one higher than me. <laughs> uh, I, I really fucking liked the acting performances in this. Yeah. Um. I, again, I said Academy Awards because I, Daniel Kaluuya has to be up there in terms of favorites for best actor. Yeah. Um. This was fucking a great performance. I know Chadwick Boseman um, is rumored to be nominated for one of his performances he had. Okay. So that'll be competition, obviously. So I'm not going to say I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's fantastic. In Moraney's Black Bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I'm not going to say like he's the surefire fucking winner or anything, but he did incredible in this movie. Uh, every time he was on screen, it was fucking fantastic. The speeches, the monologues, and like the power behind it was it was incredible. Dude fucking killed it, and everyone else was great. You know, we were talking about that the girl, um, Dominic, Dom, Dom, Dominic Dominique Fishback. Fishback. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I really like her. Um, I'm almost more impressed now that I realize she was the daughter in Project Power. Yeah, no, I <laughs> at this point, like anything she's in, I'm probably gonna try and go out of my way to watch. Yeah, because she was fantastic. And then yeah, the um, Lakeith Stanfield is Bill, O'Ne- uh, Bill O'Neill. Yeah, Wild Bill did a really good job, and just conveying the panic and. Doing, you know, just the fucking panicky situation of him being stuck in this situation, either going to jail or having to fucking do this and risking his life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought everyone was great. The Jesse Pimmons, I thought they were going to pull one of those, like, oh, I'm the FBI with a bunch of racist people, but I'm one of the good guys. Yeah. And I appreciate that they didn't, and they kept it realistic. Like, no, yeah, we're still going to kill him. Yeah. Um, I liked it. But you did see some character, you know, like, he did seem... There was, there was, like, he was resistant to some things. Absolutely. And, like, you know, and, like, it, it was – there was, like, a good character arc while also keeping it real, realistic with the times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it's very similar to, uh, again, bringing him back to modern times to where, like, obviously not – you know, there's this shit with the police going on right now where people mm-hmm. have, you know, are untrusting the – don't yeah. trust the police type thing. Yeah. Obviously not every cop's bad, but this is a very good situation where it's like, yeah, obviously this guy wasn't the one who wanted to do this shit, but there is this thing where that's kind of a organizational thing Yeah, to where it's like, he's going to turn the blind eye and let it happen. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was a very intentional thing they tried to do. Yeah, for sure. 
I'm reading an article from Variety.com, which is predicting the best actor nominees. Uh, number one is Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Maybe we should have watched that. It came out in December. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, hand up on us. Uh, number two, Anthony Hopkins, The Father. Three, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal. Four, Stephen Yun from Minari. Five, Gary Oldman from Mank. And I'm just going to scroll down. Uh, oh, fuck that, dude. I couldn't even finish that movie. We were going to review that, and I didn't even watch it. Mank? Yeah, I st- watched half of it. You just gave up. Yeah, and you texted me and said, let's review a different movie. It's awful. <laughs> um, spoiler, uh, he is not on this list, but they do list uh, Lakeith Stanfield as number 12. So is he considered... He can't be... I mean, if he's supporting actor, it's there's not a competition. Yeah, so are we saying maybe Daniel Kaluuya? Is it Kaluuya? Am I saying that right? I don't I don't know how to pronounce it. Is best supporting actor? He deserves some sort of fucking nomination because he was incredible. How do they determine exactly what a supporting actor and lead actor is with movies like this where it, it, ver- it was very kind of split a little bit? I mean, you go to IMDb and he's Fred Hampton as the first cast. Daniel Kaluuya. Well... Variety predicts uh, Best Supporting Actor. Number one, Leslie Odom Jr., Hamilton alum, One Night in Miami, Amazon Studios. I don't know when that comes out. Um, number two, Sasha Cohen in The Trial of the Chicago 7. Look at him. Um, I thought you were going to say Borat. <laughs> <laughs> when does that movie come out? I've seen a lot of oh, – it came out September 25th. Jesus. We're behind. We'll have to catch up. Um, number three, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah. Fuck yeah. He has one nomination for 2017's Get Out and Best Actor. So apparently they, at least Variety.com, is considering him a supporting actor. That's fine. Jared Leto, Seven, The Little Things. He was good. Jared Leto was good in that movie. Yeah, he was creepy. I, I feel like he just played Jared Leto. <laughs> Bill Murray, Eight, at On the Rocks. Fuck that. Um, He was fine, but he aggressively just played Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Characters 18 and 19. Tyler, Enjoyment, I give this a 16 out of 20. Dude, 15. Oh, this is an old 20 for Tyler. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure is. Um, 16 is the highest score on my would not go out of my way to watch again, and that is not an insult for any new listeners. That is just I'm not a big guy that rewatches things. Would not go out of my way to watch again, but I would watch it again and would recommend it to someone who has not watched it. All those things stand true. It doesn't fall into my 17, 18, would watch again, would recommend, thought about the movie for the coming days and weeks. Maybe as the coming days and weeks subside, maybe the score would go up because I would be thinking about it for the coming days and weeks. As of right now, 16. Yeah, I I don't know. I gave it a 15, which is a good score. I I don't think this is a movie I will watch again. I don't think this is meant to be a rewatched movie, though. Yeah. It's not one of those enjoyable watches. It's it's a story that they're trying to tell for you to, you know, see and experience. Yeah. Um, so I had a good time with it, but it was more of a, a slow burn because it was a real-life story. Um, mm-hmm. They obviously had to show real events, which can sometimes be less impressive than if you do crazy random shit. Yeah. Um, but it was good. It definitely had me looking stuff up afterwards. Yeah. Um, which is always great with a movie like this if it gets you thinking about it and wanting to learn more. Yeah. Going down the, the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Yep. Um, <laughs> so 15, you know, it wasn't an incredible, enjoyable watch. The movie itself's great. Yeah. But it's just not that kind of movie. Yeah. Um, so 15. It's a very well made movie. Very good performances. Good story. Like, yeah. It's good. 16. I give it a 16. Final score, Jay. 83 out of 100. Jason, 83. I gave it eight four. Eighty four, one point higher. Um which is I mean, it's a fucking great movie. It puts it at eighty three and a half, fourteenth on our list. Right ahead of Uncut Gems. That's deserving. Um 
Yeah, no, that feels right. These feel like very similar movies too, with the the score, the way they are, and the feeling like the suspense and shit with Uncut yeah. Gems and the kind of slow burn storytelling. Um, yep, that feels accurate. Yep, um, that's right where I think it should be. Yeah, I mean it's a good movie. It's one of the better movies of this year for sure, and I think the performances are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a good time with it. Yeah, it was a great watch. Um, I would recommend it to anyone who has not seen it, but if you have not seen it, why have you listened to all this? Wow. Well, sometimes you just like listen to our voices. Um, yeah, 14th out of what? 49, so we're one movie away from 50. Big 5 OJ. Um, we were going to celebrate it with Sonic. Might pivot. Uh, our true value score, which Tyler made up, which I don't understand, is also 84 compared to 83.5, so, so I don't know what that, what that tells me. True value score, Jay. Our top score is 96. We've always said it's impossible to get 100 on our rating scale. What if something gets a 97, though? Then I will adjust the true value score. Where 97 would be 100? Yeah. Okay. But as of right now, our perfect movie, the highest we've ever given. Which is a little bit of MCU fandom. But, well, yeah. A little oh, bit shit. of MCU bias. <laughs> 96. Our worst movie. Infinity War. Because it's so hard to get zeros in every category. Like a fucking dog shit movie is going to get a 10. Bare minimum, at least, type thing. Yeah. Um, our worst score is 17.5, so that's the bottom. So true value just makes a 17.5 is zero. Yeah. Um, it's the worst it could be, and 96 is 100. It's the best it could be. Now tell me, how does, some, how does it calculate that Hubie Halloween at 57 is right in the middle of the road at 50? It calculates at 57 because zero is up 17 points. That's kind of our middle of the road average movie. Everything worse than Hubie Halloween is a shit movie. Okay, but how does 57 equal 50 is my question. What is the formula? Is there a formula? Um, there is. It's a lot of math. I believe it's because, yeah, 56.75 um, would be the midpoint in between Okay. 17 and a half and 100. Okay. So that is why that's the average movie. So what about, like, how does 75.5 turn into a 73? 75.5? Yeah. Turn into 7.3. So here's the deal, Jay. It uses the the middle point. Finds okay. the difference, like the distance from that middle point, and then calculates that out. Okay. So it's 50, uh, 56.75. Okay. It could be 39 points above that or 39 points below that. And based on how high or low it is from 50, that's how you get your score. If you're 39 points higher than the 56, that's 100. If you're 39 points lower than the 56, it's a zero. You, my... You confuse my brain, but I'll just trust you. Just on trust this. the math. I, I didn't want to have the regular the score of eighty three point five, right below Palm Springs. That's fine. Um, so yeah, next week I think we might pivot because Sonic isn't a new movie; it's just newly streaming, and um, it's a good, not great movie. I just want you to watch Sonic tie. I think Nomadland is should be what we pivot to. Um, it is an indie film, um, budget of four to six million, one hundred eight minute runtime. It is a 2020 American neo-Western drama film directed, edited, and produced by Chloe Zhao. It is based on the 2017 nonfiction book No Man Land, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder, and stars Frances McDormand, who also produced the film, as a woman who leaves her small town to travel around the American West. Ooh, is she going to come to Asperia? It also features David Stathern, as well as real-life nomads, Lydney May, Swanky, Bob Wells, as fictionalized versions of themselves. It premiered on September 11th. Oh, that's kind of cool. What? Like, they're just actually nomads, and they just play a character. Just basically themselves, but not really. So it's like a half-documentary, half-fictionalized movie. Yeah, I don't want to read this plot, because it is like the whole plot. But it's pretty much... I think a nomad is someone who just kind of, like, floats around from place to place. Doesn't doesn't 
put the roots in anywhere. Now, this traditionally wouldn't be a movie that I'm looking at like, oh my god, I'm excited to watch this. I got an ad for it today, and I was like, okay, that looks kind of whatever. But if I read you this, Ty, Toronto International Film Festival. Um, oh, okay, so Tor- <sighs> Chloe Zhao. It's just won so many awards. Toronto Film Festival, People's Choice Award, Chloe Zhao won. Oh, I think Chloe Zhao just because she created a movie. It won the People's Choice Awards, Venice Film Festival, won the Golden Lion, the Fair Play Cinema Award, the Signs Award, Honorable Mention. I don't know how it wins that. Leonard Maltz and Tribute Award. It won the Audience Choice Gala at the San Diego International Film Festival. At the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards, it won Best Film, Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Editing, Runner-Up. Best Director at Los Angeles Film Critics Association. It won that. Best Cinematography, Runner-Up. Uh, Chicago Film Critics Association, Best Picture Winner, Best Director Winner, Best Actress Winner, Best Supporting Actor Nominee, Best Adapted Screenplay Winner, Best Cinematography Winner, uh, Best Editing Nominated, Florida Film Critics Circle Awards, Best Film Runner Up, Best Director Won, Best Actress Won. Do I just need to continue? You get the point. I just heard a Best Cinematography in there, so I'll be keeping a keen eye on this movie. Um, American Film Institute Awards, Best Top 10 Movies of the Year Won that. I don't know if that means it won all of them, but it was at least a Top 10 Movie of the Year. London Films Critics Circle, Film of the Year won, Director of the Year nominated, Actress of the Year win, Screenwriter of the Year win, Technical Achievement Award nominated. It's got a lot of awards. A lot. Sounds like it. Um, This film was ranked the best of 2020 by critics more often than any other film, according to Metacritic. I'm I'm excited. That seems good. Yeah. And truthfully, much more excited for it than, uh, than Sonic. <laughs> Maybe we'll just we'll watch a best picture, possibly winning film for our fiftieth review. Yeah, um, which isn't even accurate. We reviewed more than fifty, but fiftieth film reviewing with our patent pending movie scale. Yeah. So this initially released September eleventh, twenty twenty in Venice. Oh. January 29th, twenty twenty one in the United States, but I think that was like for the drive in, so it could be not like official. And now it's officially on Hulu for everyone to watch. I like that. So. That'd we'll be a good see. watch. It might not be a movie for everyone. It might just be one of those. This feels like a movie I'd watch in my film class I took in college like a year and a half ago. It, it's probably going to be very artsy. Yeah. Um, but sometimes those movies are good, man. Or maybe we'll just come here next week and shit on it. Well, that'll be fun, and too. Just, we'll just be talking about why it's not our cup of tea. That's fine. <laughs> um, now, you're saying that it won a lot of awards there, Jay. Yeah. There is one honor that is possibly greater than any other honor in the movie-making industry. And do you know what that is? And do you know how it relates to Judah and the Black Messiah? No. That is getting a rotten review from Armin White. And oh. boy, oh boy, did Judas and the Black Messiah get one. He reviewed it? He sure Usually did. Usually this is my thing. I look it up. You beat me to it. I saw it earlier today. All right, let's hear it. Audiences are left frustrated and susceptible to easy suasion. The superficial view of the past contributes to the national dismantling perpetuated by the mainstream media fucking hate this guy this guy's such a fucking douche he also gave minari which people think is going to be a best picture nominee rotten soul rotten i think i i said this last week i'm saying again trial of chicago 7 which that article said is going to be a best picture nominee rotten sound of metal rotten nomadland rotten it's just it's ma a Rainey's, prestigious honor ma Rainey's black bottom rotten you know you're doing something right if Armin white doesn't like your movie it's sitting at 97 percent on rotten tomatoes right now and he is one of the select few who gave it a rotten I think he just, like, looks at, like, okay, what are going to be the best picture nominees? I'm just going to give every single one of those rotten. No, I'm telling you. If you get a rotten from Armin White, it's essentially a best picture nomination from the Academy Award. And if you get a fresh by him, 
you know you're a pretender movie like On the Rocks who has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes, which we both did not like. Pretender movie. Absolutely. That's a that's a hit the emergency button. We fucked up somewhere. <laughs> he likes our movie. Um, yeah. He's our white whale. I would love to interview him. <laughs> and just ask him, like, do you believe all the bullshit you write? And then not have a journalism career anymore. No, it'd be fine. You're sports journalism. He's got no connections there. He just doesn't know what he's talking about with movies. It's talking about how Judas and the Black Messiah dresses its characters. Con- oh. It's shocking that Warner Brothers, a major Hollywood studio, promotes political radicalism as entertainment. Not just incitement to revolution. Judas and the Black Messiah rabble-rouses change by suggesting that Fred Hampton was a messiah and Bill O'Neill was Judas. He's paid $300 by the FBI, like 30 pieces of silver. This would be spiritual parable... This would be spiritual parable is facile, false romantic fantasy. He said he's paid $30 from the FBI. 300. It literally says the equivalent of $200,000. Yeah. Dude made bank and got a business. No doubt King and Cooler mean well, but their misrepresentation of Henry Hampton's historical journalism and the heroic effort behind it is as shameful as Spike Lee's exploitation flicks. Those who do not don't know their cinematic history are doomed to distort it today's race traders are less likely fbi agents than media professionals interesting so he's comparing the people who made this movie to the uh the rat the fbi rat from this movie whatever dude armin fucking white fuck that guy what a fucking but don't worry he liked the tree the mayor and the media thiek what is that? I don't know. <laughs> Minari delivers diversity as our strength propaganda. <laughs> this guy just makes no fucking sense to me. He's got so many different outfits in his closet, and he just doesn't know which one to put on each day. He just tries to be woke, I think, and just be different. He just did a review for The Social Network, and I think did a bad review. Yeah, fuck that guy. Looking back to 2010's The Social Network, we could see the beginning of mainstream media's collusion with big tech, the source of the current communications purge. He does realize that, like, that movie is separate from the actual creation of Facebook, right? (laughs) That's just a retelling. (laughs) I don't know. You want to know what his best pop music of 2020 was? (laughs) Let's hear it, Jay. Alphabet Land by X. Nice. I am not a dog on a chain by Morrissey. No more lockdown by Van Morrison. Okay. That's not. That's not surprising. Okay. Van moaning the word lockdown is an inspiration. He wrote. Moaning the word lockdown. Yeah. Because he's being fucked by the lockdown. Yeah. That's a uh, that's deep. <laughs> All right, Ty. You got anything else? I don't. Go watch Judas and the Black Messiah if you haven't. Um. Cause it's good. It's 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 a learning it's a learning film. Well made learning film as well. Yeah, and watch uh, No Man Land when it comes out on uh, next week, February nineteenth on Hulu. Yep, we'll be coming at you on February twenty second with that review. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, be a good friend, everybody.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.